This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Yi. And joining me in the studio as well, the other producer and presenter of Health and Living, Lim Su An. Uh, now today, uh, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, it should be our Doctor in Health segment and I should have my co-host, Dr. George Lee, in the studio, but he's already on his Chinese New Year break. Uh, so we'll be doing the show without him today. But, um, you know, we're going to be talking about something that actually came up in the news um recently and it was actually just at the start of the new school term this year and uh, there were then news reports coming out that school canteen operators um, are are now struggling to cope with the rising cost of raw ingredients and uh, many canteen operators are actually bound to prices that have been set within their existing canteen tenders so there are concerns that you know if they cannot um, afford to purchase um, quality raw ingredients ingredients to prepare meals for school students. How will this then affect um, what is being uh, served and uh, sold to school children? And as we already know, malnutrition is a serious problem among school-aged children in Malaysia. So would this exacerbate the problem any further? Hmm. So to answer those questions, joining us on the show today are Dr. T. E. Siong, President of the Nutrition Society of Malaysia, and Date Nur Azima Abdul Rahim, Chairperson of the Parent Action Group for Education, also known as Page, and we'll hope and we hope to get some insights from the from both of our guests into this decades-long problem of unhealthy school food and how to better support parents and canteen operators in providing healthier meals. And this is something that I remember from my schooling days as well. Mm-hmm. The, the the food is never really quite as healthy as you think no, it should be. I, I just remember a lot of fried food, yes. a lot of oily and uh, a lot of junk food, isn't it? Exactly. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some insights into how we can make um, school food a lot healthier. So thank you uh, to the both of our guests um, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Shari and Suen. And uh, just a very brief disclaimer that I will set out at the beginning of the show. Uh, Dr. T is my father. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But just uh, more importantly for our listeners, you know, I think as Suen had said, this is something that we are all familiar with. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, most of us have attended uh, the local schools growing up and uh, I think you have your own stories and uh, perhaps nightmares of uh, <laughs> your own canteen food experiences. So you can call us to share your thoughts or what you think could be improved uh, for school school-going children today in terms of canteen food. Uh, the number to call is 3 uh, If you want to send a WhatsApp message or voice note, that's 018-789-8899. Or you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. And uh, perhaps I could start with Datin Azima to uh, help set the stage for us in terms of giving us a quick update on what is the situation faced by school canteen operators right now and how. Uh, what have you heard, Datin, in terms of how this is affecting, uh, most importantly, right, students and parents providing, uh, you know, sort of concerned for, for their nutrition? Thanks, shall we, for your question. Um, I think this problem of um, high prices is something that's always been been in the forefront, you know. When I was in school, when you were in school, and now the children here, and... Um, but I think maybe in the last few months, it's been especially bad because of the uh, rise in price of chicken, eggs. You know, these are staple foods for canteen operators. And, uh, and to, uh, 
and to balance this out, uh, the ministry has allowed for I think rentals to to be eased so that um, they they are able to make ends meet. But I think this is only for three months. Uh, until prices stabilize. So I think we've already seen that the price of chicken has come back down to what it used before. before. I think supply of eggs are also back down to almost to what we what we are used to before. So I think uh, if I think there will be some easing of costs, uh, but I, I we all know that um, you know those who go to the market and the supermarket, we all know that everything has risen in cost post. Uh, you know, after after COVID, absolutely, and uh, we have to live with. Um, but I think parents, as as well as canteen operators, have to be creative on on how we can um, reduce this burden. Um, and I'll turn to you next, Dr. T. You know, from a public health perspective, what have been the issues um, that you've observed when it comes to school canteen meals? And, and I guess not just now, but going as far back as you remember, right? What are the issues when it comes to things like nutritional quality and access especially? Yeah, Sue and both of you, you and Shawi already started off by recalling your school days and how how horrible or undelicious the foods were. <laughs> well, it was horrible, but it was probably quite delicious. <laughs> yeah. So so they said uh, unhealthy foods are delicious. I would like to debunk that right away. <laughs> yeah? So 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 this issue about unhealthy canteen foods has been a long, long way back. When I first started working as a nutritionist in 1972, 50 years ago, and I started working in the Institute for Medical Research I highlighted this issue about poor quality nutritional food in school canteens. After 50 years, we are not making much progress, sad to say, yeah? and it may have gone worse. So, so the issue of canteen foods, poor nutritional quality has been highlighted off and on. And then after some time, it quiet off. Then somebody raised it again, erased again, and we are not anywhere close to any solution. So for me as a nutritionist working for 51 years, it's extremely sad. We're not talking about progress at all in this country. We really need to do something about this. But, you know, uh, I, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit, I guess. You know, school canteens provide maybe one, uh, perhaps two at the most snack breaks uh, in, in the middle of a day for school-going children. It's, it's not even their main meals uh, like lunch uh, and dinner. How significant is school canteen food in terms of uh, what they contribute to a child's daily nutritional intake? Actually, very significant. The children has a small tummy, school kids, seven years old, 10 years old. So they only take so much during breakfast. And we hear so many children don't even have breakfast, a reasonable breakfast before they go to school. And that mid-morning break becomes extremely important. Nutrients must come in. The child must become, uh, pay attention, continue to pay attention in school. So this this uh, this amount of nutrient mid-morning is extremely important. And then the other things that we can do within the school canteen, giving foods, telling, giving a message to the kids that healthy nutrition is important. It's not just dumping something into the mouth and putting something in the mouth. So that's extremely useful avenue for giving education to the children. And again, I said, we are not using those 
opportunities to tell the children about healthy eating, food preparation, composition of meals and so on. We're just neglecting all those for five decades. Hmm. But if I may, um, Dr. T, you know, I guess on that note, some people might say that, well, kids would automatically choose the fried foods anyway if they were offered options between, I guess, healthy mm-hmm. alternative versus, you know, the, the, the kind of um, kropolekos or pisang gorings that we see now, right? I mean, is that a fair argument to make? No, because we are training them from the beginning to this kind of environment. So environment is extremely important. I'm not saying that everything blame on the school canteen, but the school environment, the parents play role models. What kind of food are you serving your children, parents? Yeah. So these then more the thinking of the parents. Oh, fried food is a norm. I go to KFC when I... Sorry, I don't mean KFC. I mean, go to fried food, fried food restaurants and unhealthy foods. And I'm not just saying fried, uh, fast foods are unhealthy. What about the local fares? They are extremely unhealthy as well. Yeah. So swimming in fats and oils and too much salt and so on. So when I, when I do well, my parents take me to those kinds of places. It's like training the child that, hey, these are... I get rewarded now when I go to such places. So I think the environment is extremely important and I, I, you do not have, the child do not have to think that way. Mm. And what I'm saying is, yeah. mm, the The modelling, how how we model uh, different practices to children. That didn't, I, I mean, uh, Suen and I uh, admittedly have left the school years behind us quite some time as well. But uh, I think you are still familiar in terms of uh, what's still happening in schools, what's still being sold in school canteens today, right? From Paige's perspective. Can you um, tell us what is currently being sold in school canteens? Well, um, I was just in the neighborhood school canteen two days ago, just for this for this topic. I just wanted to see what was going on. But if any, if it's any consolation, <laughs> uh, there's no more junk food being sold in schools, yeah, and uh, no sweets, you know, mm-hmm. uh, none of this, none of these things. So, so if at all, it's the parents who are feeding them these at home. Um, mm-hmm. Again, uh, you, you. I think every school is quite. Um, um, they, they're quite uh, particular about what goes on, uh, what is being sold in the canteens. They all do their uh, visits to the canteen um, every every week to see what can be improved, what the children want to eat, and they see that these children actually. They're just quite happy to be eating anything as long as their friends are with them. Mm. Mm. So then, um, Dr. One, T... Two, three, and one, two, three, they're very happy just being with friends. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so then, Dr. T, you know, what should a healthy mid-morning or mid-afternoon snack look like for school-aged children, right? If you could give us some examples. Yeah, actually, I'm very pleased to hear that thing say that things have improved and uh, year in, year out, we hear new guidelines come out, <laughs> new guidelines keep on coming out. And I, I think one issue that I had was was monitoring this. Uh, I think school authorities, PTA must monitor these uh, canteen guidelines being implemented. So I'm pleased to hear that this particular school, the Dutton, when there was improvement and so on. Now, now uh, Suen, about this... Um, about what kinds of uh, good foods or nutritious food. Just simple, balanced meals. Huh? And it can be anything. 
can be even nasi lemak, okay? Mm. I don't say you don't eat nasi lemak, but how is it prepared? <laughs> it can be noodle soup, it can be bubur, it can be, yeah, it can be anything. It can be even with spaghetti, okay? We don't say we can't eat spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Yes, give what yeah. kids love to eat. Mm-hmm. But the way it's prepared, nasi lemak can be prepared with less fats and all. Spaghetti can be prepared with less fats and all. Less sugar, less variable flavorings and so on. So gives give some attention to preparing healthier meals. Way to prepare healthy meals is very extremely important. It's just not the name of the food, but the way it is being prepared. I think we have to give that message to the people. Ways meals are prepared. Mm. Extremely important. So uh, I want to start to bring in the question of cost uh, after we go for a quick break and when we come back, as well as um, I will... Um, get to a very interesting WhatsApp voice note uh, that, that, that that we've received. Uh, and, and from there, it will actually lead on to kids may survive eating these foods, uh, even if perhaps sometimes they're unhygienic or, you know. The question of them surviving uh, as opposed to, as Dr. T has said, uh, contributing nutritional value, right? I want to make that distinction there. But uh, definitely, we will continue the conversation when it comes to cost. How does the increased cost of raw ingredients, perhaps things have eased up now, but you know, how do we sustain uh, that and balance that with the provision of uh, balanced and uh, nutritious foods? We are discussing today... Um, Revamping our school canteen foods and uh, there have been some improvements uh, as we have heard a little bit, uh, but we want to make sure that these improvements are standardised across the country, especially in uh, perhaps the less urban uh, areas. Uh, Our guests today... Dr. T. Isyong, President of the Nutrition Society of Malaysia, and Datin Noor Azima Abdurrahim, Chairperson of the Parent Action Group for Education, or PAGE. And uh, call us with your um, thoughts, your memories, your experiences of eating school canteen food, or uh, what suggestions you have to improve them. If you have kids uh, who are going to school right now, we'd love to hear, you know, what's the reality right now. The number to call is 03-777-32900. WhatsApp is 0 or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Stay tuned to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik and Lim Su An. And uh, our guests today to discuss the issue of school canteen foods are Dr. T. Isiong, President of the Nutrition Society of Malaysia and Datin Noor Azima Abdurrahim, Chairperson of the Parent Action Group for Education. We are discussing this topic because of recent news reports that school canteen operators are struggling to cope with the rising cost of raw ingredients and there are concerns that this could lead on to compromised quality of the meals that are being served and sold in school canteens. So do call us with your own thoughts or suggestions that you have when it comes to school canteen foods. 03 if you want to call us. Or WhatsApp, that's at 018-789-8899. Or you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Hmm. So we did receive this um, WhatsApp voice note from Bing, which um, we'll read out. Unfortunately, we're not 
able to play it at the moment. So Bing says, um, I never touched canteen food when I was younger, especially when in when I was in Skola Rinda. You know, the curry mee was filled with MSG. The fried noodles had cockroaches. Now that's a terrifying um, yes, what thing to think about. Um, so I only ate junk food. So when I was in Skola Menengah, they had varied choices like fried noodles, chicken rice, roti canai. Um, but the water for drinks were dispensed from the same pail into small plastic bags, which is quite unhygienic. And yet, um, you know, we all survived and we have strong stomachs. Um, I think, well, a few things there that I definitely can resonate. I remember all the water just being, you know, dispensed from the one same bucket mm. and everyone just drinks it out of, out of plastic cups and plastic bags. That's right. And, and Dr. T, perhaps you could very quickly weigh in, you know, that thought of, well, we all survived because we have strong stomachs. Um, is that something that you want to debunk as well? Yeah, so we are talking about two things here, nutrition and hygiene. Yeah? You cannot compromise on hygiene for safety. That every school canteen must do, whether expensive or not, no cost. You can argument about cost. So safety, food hygiene in schools is, is priority. No compromise on that. On quality, if we survive, if we're talking about quality food, quality life, and uh, extremely important is nutrient giving to the children, academic performance, we can survive. Survive is one thing, but doing great in school is a totally different thing. If we want our kids to do well in school, in the nation, in the world, then quality nutrition, there's no compromise for that either. Don't talk about surviving. We are not talking about surviving now. It's survival in the whole world we're talking about. Survival of the fittest, of the best in the world. That must be what Malaysia is striving for, not just surviving. That you cope about surviving. <laughs> yeah. mm. And maybe I could ask you next, um, Datin, you know, especially when we talk about children from B40 households, um, you know, we know that the payment rates for the supplementary meal plans or the Ranjangan Makanan Tambahan for operators um, currently stand at 2 ringgit 50 cent for each meal in Peninsula Malaysia. And then if we look over at East Malaysia, it's 3 ringgit per meal in Sabah, Sarawak, and Labuan. Are these rates feasible to provide healthy meals? Well, obviously not, but I think there was a recent article saying that it's been increased. I think it's four ringgit now for Peninsula, if I'm not mistaken. All right. It's just a you know, so that 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 goes a long way, and I think um, will be able to give better food from now on. But also on top of that, I think uh, it's also good to mention that um, as a result of. Um, uh, love from the environment. A lot of children come into school with their own water bottles, you know, and they bring their own water. So we've done away with dirty drinking water. And in many schools, <laughs> um, uh, they're, they're getting companies or even individual parents to contribute water coolers. So a lot of the children are coming in with their bottles with water. And when they run out, they go to these water coolers, especially on days where, where they have co curriculum. So it's, I think it's a very good habit for children to be drinking lots of water. I think that's an excellent example of the parents and the community chipping in and, uh, hey, the kids are drinking water, right? They don't need to uh, go for the uh, carbonated, sugary drinks. Um, so on that question of cost already, um, Dr. T, how does that play in into the kind of meals that canteen operators are able to provide if they are uh, constrained in terms of buying uh, uh, sufficient raw ingredients, uh, perhaps, what kind of compromises are you are you concerned about? Well, the issue of cost is extremely sensitive and difficult. 
And we, I, I always think that we cannot just blame and cause and I cut down on many things that the children really needs. So that we can choose different kinds of vegetables. I think the important thing is giving more thoughts into the variety of the vegetables, different kinds of vegetables. The kids get very bored if you have the same vegetable. It's not just about cost. There are different kinds of meals, menus, and so on. So some innovation by the canteen operators, by the school authorities. So I, I, for that, yes, we can give them subsidy and all kinds of things, but then would it solve the problem? I'm not so sure that will do. So I think I go back to healthier preparations of foods. So choosing the kind of meat, the kind of vegetables, the kind of seasoning we use. Do we do the foods have to be flooded with oils? We don't have to do that. You've said um, be innovative. And in fact, Dati Nazima, you used almost the same word earlier. You said be creative in reducing this burden. Perhaps you could weigh in with some thoughts on what you think that could look like, Datin. Um, there was once an interview with canteen operator and he said that uh, what he does now is he steams and boils instead of fries. Mm. You know, so I think this is quite innovative and it's also much healthier than, than fried food. But on the other hand, back to Nasi Umar, uh, just the neighborhood school, I was talking to the principal just this morning and she was saying that you can get a basic lemak in the school canteen for two ringgit, which is not bad. You throw in a fried egg that becomes uh, 250. You throw in a piece of chicken that becomes 350. So that that appears to be quite adequate, you know. And I, I but I think also with the problem, the challenges of food security nowadays, I think it's any schools are beginning to have their own herb gardens where you grow, um, you know, be- vegetables and maybe even fruit. But it, but but um, I notice also that um, especially with primary school kids, they're not too keen on vegetable, but they are, they don't mind eating a lot of fruit. Mm. You know, so you still see the balance but they prefer fruit to vegetable, which is fine. What do you think, Dr. So Tio, the, of that the idea, idea um, schools with their own vegetable gardens? I think that's extremely important thing to do for school authorities. And there are many benefits coming up from that school garden. Of course, in addition to harvesting the vegetable, teaching Food security, that the word the Datin has brought up, extremely important word now. And uh, teaching children about growing food, where does food come from? What are the nutrient values in fruits and vegetables? And why we must eat fruits and vegetables, more food vegetables? Uh, I know children don't like vegetables too much. And uh, our dietary guidelines say at least, at least uh, three vegetables and two fruits. And one cannot replace um, vegetables with fruits. We can have five fruits and no vegetable. So these are different nutritional value. So going back to the kindergarten days, the child has to be has to be already taught about healthy eating. Not when he's sixty years old or fifty years old or thirty years old start talking about healthy eating. When he's three years old, talk about healthy eating to the kids. So I think these are things that we must. Um, so we must uh, practice. And um, yeah, so talk about food security is extremely important topic now and uh, heavily uh, underscored by the COVID pandemic. And and we talk about more expensive food ingredients for the canteen operators. I can relate to that. I can understand that. I can understand that certainly. And 
with the B40 group, not just for the children, extremely important that the government and all stakeholders give a lot of attention to the B40 because they're extremely vulnerable to undernutrition and then with, with a lot of, with that many other ill effects will come, growth retardation, a mental uh, retardation will come in and that affects generation of children that you may not see. We may think we survive, but actually the retardation goes on many years after that. So I think B40 group, the government is giving a lot of attention, yes, but food security issue, we really need to pay much more attention. We talk about it, after mm -hmm. that we leave it. We talk about it after that, we must be consistent about food security, not only when the next pandemic comes. Mm. Um, Datin Azima, I want to touch on something that um, I guess we've been talking about, which is the education, educating kids about eating healthy, about um, uh, educating parents also about, you know, creating an environment that's um, that promotes healthy food to kids. But are canteen operators themselves involved in this discussion? Because we can teach kids to pick healthier options. We can teach parents to educate their kids about healthier options. But if the canteen operators are not aware and they still offer the same options, then is, is it going to make a difference? Uh, well, I, I, I noticed that um, canteen operators offer... Uh, I'm so sorry. that's not what they So what they do is talk to the children and decide what exactly do you eat so that we don't waste. I'm sorry. Dati. So that, that's uh, that's we, one way of. Yeah, we we seem to be losing your your connection is breaking up a little bit. Perhaps we'll try to get you on your mobile phone, uh, and uh, we'll perhaps try and revisit that question again when we get you back on the phone, um, and. Uh, Perhaps the same question for Dr. T. Mm. Uh, yes, Dr. T, you know, like, I, I guess from your experience, you know, having had sort of looked at how we've dealt with um, canteen, uh, the, the, the setting of canteen food and all that, you know, are, are you, have you seen if canteen operators are being brought into this discussion on how to prepare food, like you say, how to prepare food healthily? Yeah, okay. Uh, I, will, I will link this up to another question that you asked about innovation. Yeah. So I think um, we've been talking about canteen foods and lack of quality and so for, for five decades. And uh, I think business cannot be a usual like this and go on like this. And so I think we have to change the way we work with canteen foods. And so the Nutrition Society working with several nutritionists, especially in Johor. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And we are now doing on another school program to give out standardized school canteen meals. And uh, this is totally different way of thinking and will change the scenario of canteens in the country once and for all, I hope. Yeah? So what, what happens is this, this actually is not my idea or Nutrition Society in Malaysia idea. It's Ministry of Health idea. It's called Hidangan, Hidangan Hasiat untuk anak-anak sekolah. HITS. So these are meals prepared by, supervised by the nutritionists, working with mostly PTAs, Parent Teacher Association, working with the canteen operators together. So the canteen operators do not lose business in this whole process. But the menus are being developed by the nutritionists. 
And there's a variety of menus. Of course, they are balanced. Balanced meaning the main food groups are there. Yeah? The carbs are there, the vegetables, the fruits, and the protein foods are all there. And then the proportion is according to the suku school sparrow concept of the healthy plate. So the, the nutritionist within the school then uh, takes care of this menu and rotates the menu. So what the nutritionists do is work with the PTAs and get the parents to sign up for these foods before a, a session, uh, before a term starts. So then the parents sign mm -hmm. up and when the mid-morning break comes, everybody have the same food and there is no rushing to queue up to pay money. The money is paid beforehand. Mm. So that and this is, there's a standardized meal prepared in a hygienic way. And so this is what uh, Nutrition Society is calling for a revamp, total revamp of canteen foods in this country. And our program is called Malaysian School Nutrition Program where we built in together a nutrition education component, a meal given plus nutrition education during this time, or it can be any other time. But together then, we hope that there's a total revamp of the canteen food and together with some simple nutrition knowledge to the children that we feel is extremely important to give the children an environment of healthy eating, food choices, and inculcate the culture of healthy eating from a very young age, where they are very impressionable at this stage. And, I, and we really believe that kind of program. If someone can buy this idea uh, on a nationwide basis, mm -hmm. then I think we're going somewhere if we do this revamp and innovate totally the scenario of canteen foods. In this country. So, so when you say that, uh, you know, it the the idea has to be buy in for it to be a nationwide program. What are some potential yeah. barriers you could see to rolling this yeah. out? You need nutritionists, yeah. for instance. Yeah, nutritionists will have no issue working with us. I think the issue is with the parents, and I see that in here. That thing is from Parent Action Group for Education, a, a very important person to buy in and accept this kind of idea and other PTAs. Important is PTAs. Parent Teacher Association Group, they can help us to sell the idea to the parents because it involves payment of money. Yeah? But it's the same money that they pay to buy to the kid to buy canteen food. It take away the 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 decision that you take away the decision today I buy chocolate or do I buy Naslama or buy Karimi, you know? Take away that decision, yes. But then it's standardized and they rotate their meals. So buy in from PTA, buy in from school authority, buy in from canteen operator, very important. Canteen operator may think that we are taking away their livelihood. Absolutely not. We work with the canteen operator. We show them how to prepare their meal. Again, going back to what I said, healthier meal preparations. This is not compulsory for them to get a license to, to operate a canteen. So, so I think buy-in is very important, Shari. So we need to buy in to the school authority, the parents and the child. And it is not easy. Yes, I agree. Um, I think we have Datin Azima back on the line. I guess, Datin Azima, do you see that sort of buy-in from um, parent-teacher associations or, or, or PIBGs? You know, are parents willing to, I guess, invest to a certain extent in healthier foods for kids? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, uh, I think first of all, it's the minister who needs to be brought in. 
And I think once the minister is bought in, uh, you you'll see everything falling into place. And also, uh, who's creating the budget for this? You know, because uh, B forty parents aren't going to be able to 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 afford. But I also think that this is when the corporates come in. Corporates are always happy to 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 donate, especially to uh, the B forty students, especially to rural students. So I think this this is this is it's it's time for for society to chip in. I think, and I think also that with this new government, since we're talking also about government, I think there there is a plan to to cut out leakages, especially uh, of those going to administrative education. And once we can recoup all these past leakages. I think we'll be able to see a, a bigger budget for for eating and nutrition, and because in the end, in the, for the longer term, it's for a healthier population. Absolutely, um, Doctor T. Does the program that uh, Nutrition Society is hoping to to you know engage uh, more schools in, uh, does it cater for B forty students as well? Yes, they do. So we are not particularly for B40, but now it's just uh, uh, middle-income level people. So I agree with that thing. So with the B40 group, we may have to pay particular attention to how are the parents going to afford to pay for this. By the way, the meal so far, we started in 2013 also. Actually, this kinds of meals in this country started in Johor, in Moa, 2007. And with the PTAs grouping with the children and having this kind of meal from 2013 onwards, they take on on a bigger scale. But now we still when I say bigger scale from 2013 to 2022, we only talk of, talking about 50, 60 schools. So it's very tedious because we have to sell the idea to the to the parent. By the way, the cost is only 250 to 350, and uh, we talk about leakages, yeah. So this is very important uh, aspect of the whole management of these school canteen foods and uh, the cost. So uh, sorry, so, so the cost yeah. under this particular program by yeah. NSM and MOE only yeah. two fifty to three fifty to provide those healthier yes. meals. Yes, the cost is not borne by NSM or by the nutritionist, but by the parents. Mm. The parents pay the two fifty a day, five days. Yeah, to uh, the school, the school manages it. NSM doesn't manage. NSM contributes to the menu, contributes to the education module, something that I hope we can also speak about later on. Education to the kids. The kids go to school to learn many, many things. Why not education as well? So 250 to 350, the menus, we even recipe books published for this uh, school kids menu. They are definitely uh, screened through by the nutritionist, by the nutritionist in the Ministry of Health, not private sector, Ministry of Health nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go for another quick break. When we come back, uh, I'd like to hear from Dati Nazima um, what else uh, Paige thinks uh, would contribute towards uh, not, not just resolving, I guess, the cost issue by canteen operators, but continuing to provide um, good and healthy meals for children. And uh, maybe perhaps looking a little bit beyond just school canteen food, what other measures uh, should be implemented to improve children's uh, nutrition on the whole? 
school. We're speaking today to Dr. T. E. Siong, President of the Nutrition Society of Malaysia, and Datin Nor Azima Abdurrahim, Chairperson of the Parent Action Group for Education. We're speaking about school canteen food. So you can uh, share your thoughts with us. Uh, call 0377332900 or send a WhatsApp message or voice note 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik and Lim Su An as well. This Friday afternoon, we're discussing school canteen food. How can we ensure that um, canteen operators are guided in terms of providing affordable as well as healthy and nutritious uh, meals for school-going children? Joining us on the show today, Datin Noor Azima Abdurrahim, Chairperson of the Parent Action Group for Education, as well as Dr. T. E. Siong, President of the Nutrition Society of Malaysia. Just very quickly, do share your thoughts with us, what you think about school canteen food, perhaps back in the day for yourself or right now if you have school-going children, you can call us at 0377332900 or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. Datina Zima, you've spoken about things like um, vegetable gardens in schools, um, things uh, that uh, private companies, uh, uh, corporations can do to chip in in terms of providing that, those extra resources. What else um, would you say, Paige, would see as um, feasible, short as well as longer-term solutions for this issue? Um, I, I also want to add, um, apart from food security, you know, when you grow vegetables and food, etc., you will need... Um, you will need um, compost right you will need compost and you will need um uh fertilizers and one of the ways you can help do this is to get the canteens to start composting the vegetable and fruit waste and uh, and and this will provide the compost for the vegetable without having to go out and buy buy fertilizers you know so we have to find a way so that uh, the school can be sustainable as much as possible mm. now, i think the other um, I think uh, as, as long as prices are high and um, little or, or until action is taken to reduce prices, I think uh, parents just have to supplement um, their, their, their children's um, food uh, consumption, for instance, uh, you know, give them maybe a bun to take to school or, or, or something light or a sandwich or something that they can supplement. They can still eat mm. in the canteen can be food, but supplement with something light, you know, so they don't go hungry uh, until the next meal comes. So I think parents also have to be creative, you know, if they think that their children are big eaters. But I think for primary school, most of them are actually small eaters and they and what they get in school is actually enough. Uh, it's a matter where the parents are willing to part with uh, that amount of money. But, you know, parents always want to have the best for they will part with that money somehow or other. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, I guess let's look at other measures, um, you know, any other extra measures. Um, Dr. T, you mentioned things like education. I guess what else would you like to see being implemented in schools to address malnutrition in a more comprehensive and holistic manner? Yeah. Well, I just just before, yeah. I, I, before, oh, before mm. I respond sure. to that, mm. I, I like what, what Datin Azima is saying about parents take action and give the kids some snacks to bring to schools rather than tear your hair and cry every day. My canteen food doesn't provide good food. Take action into it. Do your own action and 
give your kids some healthy snack that you can prepare sandwiches and so on and give to your kids to bring to school. Now your question about what else can we do for the longest time, I have been saying that we need to have some nutrition education to the kids. I'm not asking for changing the curriculum. I will shut down straight away because <laughs> curriculum has so many things already. Mm -hmm. Asking for just a bit of time during recess or during uh, some other breaks, you know, that we can do, or even weekends and holiday camps and so on. Some education to the kids are extremely important. As I, as I have repeatedly said, giving education to the young, or even kindergartens, extremely mm. important. That, that messages will stay with them for a long, long time. And if we don't do something about the kids today, by the way, Malaysian school children have 30% overweight and obesity. You know how much is 30%? One in every 10, uh, three in every 10. So that's a lot of children overweight and obese. Mm -hmm. And that's primary and secondary school. And not just not about urban kids. It's also rural kids. So rural kids don't climb tree anymore, I guess, you know, and no physical activity. And, and so overweight, obesity, extremely serious problem. What happened to these kids? They become overweight, obese adolescents. Then more likely they become overweight, obese Adults, Malaysian. So now adult Malaysian obesity is overweight obesity, 51%. Are we waiting for it to become 75%? No, we don't do that. We address the problem now when the kids are in school. So education to the school is extremely important. We can do many things in school with the canteen. We can do quizzes. We can do fun games, poster competitions, so many things, you know. Yeah. Of course, you may ask me who is going to do that. <laughs> Teachers got so many things, right? How about putting a nutritionist in charge of the schools? How about putting a nutritionist in charge of ten schools as a start? You know, so I don't. I people say I always compare with Japan, where there's a nutritionist in every school. Mm -hmm. Okay, we don't do that for now. Yeah? We we can't afford that. We don't have that many nutritionists. How about one nutritionist in ten schools for now? How about for twenty? Just assign him or her to that school, you know. Mm. And there are so many things that a nutritionist can do within that school, believe me. Mm -hmm. And that brainwashing, I must use that word, of the kids on healthy eating, food choices, not just at home, but everywhere. When he goes out, eat also. Many kids mm. educate parents about healthy eating also, <laughs> about smoking, about many things. So it, yeah. can, it can go the other yeah. way as well. So I think it's very important that we give the education to the kids now, not another 50 years. Yeah. yeah. Um, Datin, very quickly, um, your thoughts on nutrition education and perhaps from that parent group perspective, how this could be done effectively as well? Well, I think it's important that parents, first of all, understand the importance of nutrition. You know, if they don't understand the importance of nutrition, they shouldn't have had children in the first place. So I think that uh, these conversations should be continued at the, you know, at the, at the at the dinner table at any point in time. Nutrition should be spoken uh, about by parents, and this conversation should be continued in school. I'm sure teachers speak about nutrition all the time. You know, it need not be in a formal setting. It can be just conversations, daily conversations with children. I children, and I think children do get it. So now that the children do get it, it's it's about time the the the, the schools and the parents come together and walk the talk and mm -hmm. actually provide <coughs> that is balanced and, and not just uh, you know, talk about it and not do anything about it. 
Datin, you and Dr. T clearly on the same wavelength. Stop talking about things and just do it, right? Um, we have a listener on the line, Jonathan, who has some thoughts to share. Let's try to get him on the line. Um, Jonathan, you have some thoughts you'd like to share. Uh, yes. Okay, number one, the national policy guideline on the type of health food allowed in school canteen and what are the type of food not allowed and um, uh, including uh, if you don't allow uh, carbonated drink not allow fried food um, all this must be um, mentioned mm-hmm. and uh, it, and the meal should be balanced in uh, the criteria for healthy and balanced food should be included um, there this policy including the ceiling price of the school meal should be set the ceiling sure. price. Yep, yep. Okay, so okay. ceiling price and types of food should be set. Uh, anything else you'd like to share, Jonathan? Number two, number two, uh, all school canteen operator should be given a one-day course on how to prepare the way of cooking, the healthy way of cooking food. And... Uh, and uh, what are the wrong way of cooking food? Okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. it's a guideline should be there should be uh, no plastic utensils should be or container should be used to uh, contain water, drink, or cook food. Okay. All this must be sent. And uh, including aluminium cooking utensils should be uh, should not be allowed also because aluminium can. In water. All right, sure. Any any other thoughts that you the, had, Jonathan? The, the third one is, uh, uh, if I'm not wrong, the school uh, uh, canteen operator are chosen to tender, but controlled by school or teacher parent association, but by someone in uh, this Pajapat uh, Pantidikan. And uh, there is open secret that the ten the operator are chosen by uh from people who pay bribe and uh, so it will take away uh, it will increase the increase the cost and reduce the food quality all right thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today jonathan i'm yes i'm afraid we're running out of time um so a lot of thoughts there from jonathan uh Related to, I think, uh, if we can just wrap it up, summarize it as uh, canteen operators um, need to be guided, first of all, need to be trained, uh, and perhaps, uh, you know, arguably more transparency in the process of who's given the tenders. Uh, Datin, I think we were trying to get some thoughts from you earlier uh, before you were lagging on Zoom about uh, getting canteen operators into the discussion about uh, this kind of guidance, right, and training. Perhaps you could quickly recap that for us again. From your knowledge, uh, how well-versed are canteen operators? How well-guided are they? Not sure if Datin can hear us. Okay. Um, We will try to get Datin on the phone now again. And uh, in the meantime, I'll just quickly uh, read out um, a a message from a listener who says, I like the program that Dr. T mentioned. It can be part of a national canteen agenda by the education ministry in all schools, primary as well as secondary. And while we try to get Datin on the line for just a quick wrap-up message, perhaps Dr. T, we can uh, turn to you. Um, Some... uh, 
uh, takeaway messages on this issue today uh, of school canteen food? Thank you, uh, Shari. I think it calls for uh, innovations, as I mentioned, and rethink of the whole issue of canteen foods and have a new mindset and different way of, of operation. And I think we cannot we cannot be business as usual. Let us all sit down with the different stakeholders and yeah. plan out this um, way approaches to providing a mid-morning break to school children. Thank you. And we have... We have Datin back on the line. Datin, perhaps you could mute your Zoom and we can get a wrap-up message from you on this issue today. Yeah, um, yes. So um, I think it's we have to um, look at uh, how we can transform, I think, the school canteen. Um, obviously, what we've been doing all this while hasn't worked because uh, not only have we produced um, malnourished children, we've also produced obese children and obese adults. So I think uh, I think uh, the, it's important that the minister ha- have a listen in to the Nutrition Society of Malaysia. And I think once the minister gives the green light, I think parents will, will just follow through. Uh, if it's for the venture of the children, with too much, not too much cost. And I think, again, corporates have to come in, and corporates are always happy to be helping out schools, especially rural, rural schools. Even urban schools have difficulty uh, finding donations for such, such such things. Absolutely. So, over to you. So, hopefully, not only is the minister listening mm-hmm. in, um, but also those from the private sector. That's and right. we always talk about public-private partnership, right? Um, what yeah. better way uh, than to start doing that? Thank you so much to our guests for joining us today, Dr. T. E. Siong, President of the Nutrition Society of Malaysia, and Datin Noor Azima Abdurrahim, Chairperson of the Parent Action Group for Education. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. Wishing you Kong Si Fa Chai. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.